Hey guys, this is Scott Bowling, Good Company, and you are watching Discography Discussion. It's not a video, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) He's sticking to what he knows. This man's all about video. That might be what we're doing wrong. Like, we need to get, you know, a video going. We tried that once. The fat guy in the corner. <laughs> You're like, what? Who's that fat guy in the corner just sitting there with all those strong opinions? That'd be the whole video. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And if you blew them away with a 710 split, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. And this is Scott Bowling from Good Company with Scott Bowling. Here I am. He's arrived. <laughs> I'm so happy yes. about this. <laughs> I'm so excited. Can't hide it. I know I want to. You all may remember us talking to Scott a couple weeks ago at the Nashville Rock and Pot Expo. Dan's way chill. He was <laughs> he was he was uh <laughs> nothing ever excites me. It's it's part of the show. But uh no risk uh, risk risk. Yeah, don't talk to me about Megadeth's risk and we'll, everybody will be good friends. Uh, We talked to Scott a couple weeks ago at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. He was live in the flesh in our booth, smelling my beer breath. It was probably amazing. You were probably smelling my my uh, my hangover from the previous night. So yeah, Tubi told me all about that. It sounded like a wild party. Me and Joe also had a wild party in our hotel room playing Mario Kart. Nice. Did you guys have like one bed or two beds? Just asking. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Two beds officially. That's good. It's okay though. You can move them together, right? (laughs) You slid them together. (laughs) I was there with um, Eric Rogers from Stereo Mud, and uh, me and him are watching like, what were we watching? Like all these home improvement kind of shows. Not the actual show, home improvement, but shows about improving your home. Hungover about 7 p.m. at night, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. I'm sharing a room with Eric Rogers of Stereo Mud, and we're just watching. TLC kind of stuff. <laughs> You're watching like re, you know, rehab your house. <laughs> oh yes, dude, totally. <laughs> we were like, we were both like, man, you ready to go to bed? I'm ready to go to bed. I'm pretty. <laughs> it was just, it was pretty lame, but it was fun. Well, tonight our band that we're talking about is the band Bride, who was a, still is a, seminal Christian metal band. Uh, they go pretty far back, but Scott is the super fan in the room. So Scott, tell us about Bride. So, Bride, um, I have an older brother who is five years older than me. And so he started listening to Bride, you know, when he was about, you know, 15, 16. I was 10 or 11. And Bride was the actual first rock band I ever saw live. So they kind of, I just remember going to see them when I was a little kid and just thinking they were, this is the coolest thing. And um, I've always followed them. While my brother kind of went on and moved on to other music. I, Bride was always a band that I always kind of kept listening to, and I mean I didn't consistently listen to them, but I, they were that group that I would, if I was bored, I would pull up an old Bride album and listen to them to this day. So I love them. I haven't followed every single album they've done, but definitely their older stuff like Connect Faith and Snakes, um, just uh, it's just real nostalgic kind of band for me. So when you saw them live, they still had the hair. They still had the hair, and I think. When I saw him, Dale, his solo band, Speaking to the Machine, was opening for him. And I and I think I still have a t-shirt from that show. Isn't that so weird when somebody has their side, they like take their side band out as the opening act for their main band? It's like you get you get an entire night at Dale Thompson, whether you want it or not. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Reminds me of that time I saw Jade Meridian in concert, but we're not allowed to talk about that anymore. Right. 
<laughs> I don't even know how to follow that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, before Dan figures out how to follow that, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell you all about five star reviews we love five star reviews here on discography discussion we don't just like them because they make us feel good even though they do definitely do absolutely do but another reason is because our world is overrun by robots did you know that joe our world's overrun by robots this sentence is false well nobody in this room's head exploded so we should be fine okay well algorithms more accurately Uh, Facebook uses algorithms, iTunes uses algorithms, and what these algorithms do is they recommend things to you constantly, day in and day out. But they only recommend things that are highly rated. The only way for other people like you who already listen to this podcast to hear about our podcast is if you go on and leave us a rating. Leave us a five-star rating if you love our podcast. If you don't love it, let us know. Uh, Give us whatever kind of review you think we deserve. And now Scott is going to tell us all about Good Company. Good Company is a show I started about two years ago. Um, I had the idea, I kind of wanted to do a podcast and then, but I had this awesome man cave and I had friends say, you should do a show at your house because it looks so cool. And I had a buddy who's a country artist named Kurt Thomas, does uh, a few music videos out there and he introduced me to a guy that films or filmed his videos. So I used him, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, the first couple episodes were really embarrassing. I then moved on to a guy named Nathan Mowry. To film my show he films Fozzie videos like Judas painless burn me out with along with a ton of other videos and documentaries he's awesome I love his crew but anyway they filmed the show the show is basically kind of like your show um, we kind of go through every album try to you'll see in, in new episodes I have out with Kevin Max and um, Mark Lee of third day that Doing every album is challenging, and sometimes you forget albums, and sometimes the artist points out that you forgot about the album. <laughs> it's kind of awkward sometimes. <laughs> That's fun. I, yeah, I was kind of wanting to know if that happens to you guys, because Kevin um, Kevin Max of DC Talk, he was like, hey, stop. You forgot this album. There's no props. And then he starts telling me, I give your show a four out of five because you forgot one of the props. Ouch. <laughs> For us, it's only happened when we've had another guest that's a super fan. That happened during uh, Meshuga, didn't it, Dan? Well, no, that oh, was wow. because I was tired and likely drunk. <laughs> and we were, uh, yeah, the, the band still had two albums to go. And I was all like, all right, let's move on. I was all like, yeah, which one is, uh, yeah. I was like, so what are you guys' final thoughts on Meshuga? And they're like, dude, there's two <laughs> albums left. I was like, yeah, that's right. Well, I guess I'm going to go get another beer, you know, and uh, that's got to be awkward. I mean, in our case, most of the time, with very limited exception, we're usually not discussing the actual artists that we're talking to. We're not usually discussing their discography. Our whole angle is typically let's get somebody on from a band that we like to talk about a band that they like. That's a good idea. I like that. Um, I got a, a new episode coming out in a couple of weeks. With um, it hasn't happened yet, but it's it's uh, Jose Mangan from Sirius XM, okay, and Rich Ward and me, and we're gonna go talk about '90s metal, and we each picked out three albums 
and we're gonna and we have we're gonna talk about each record and what it meant to us so i'm trying to kind of change it up like that so that's very i like cool. how you guys are doing about talking about other music that's really cool yeah it's kind of one of those weird things for interviews especially people will typically want to do like a 50 if you go through a publicist or something they'll want you to do like a 15 or 30 minute interview and that's just typically not our format but usually whenever we talk to the actual musicians that we want to talk to like we get a hold of them directly they're always all about it like they have the opportunity to just sit down like three dudes in a bar and talk about a band that they like they almost always jump at it yes that's the like i was going to ask you i mean that's the frustrating part for me is that and maybe you can help me is reaching out to people it's like some guys I can reach out to just Facebook and then sometimes I have to do like a, a Google and find their manager and kind of, and that's such a hassle. Like it's, it's so much easier when you just talk to them directly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any advice for that. Well, not at this exact moment. Uh, that's still something we struggle with because it's not, there's always a wall of management that you have to go through for certain artists because yes, these yeah. people have to be guarded because all kinds of weirdos would just be emailing them and, texting them or calling them all the time so like i understand that i understand why they have those kind of walls built up uh so it's been rough i mean i i usually just try to get a hold of them however i can like at one point i even contacted a guest via their work email oh wow yeah like i found out like where they worked it sounds creepy but it wasn't that's that is super creepy and it's not though there's there was links to their business like on their public profiles oh that's good yeah so it wasn't anything like that called them hey it's dan you know from that show yeah (laughs) oh okay can i tell you a quick story real quick this is kind of out there doesn't have anything to do with that but absolutely creepy it's real short okay Uh, yeah go for it usually Usually I meet the artists when they come to my house. I, I go upstairs and I try to make it a point to meet them and, you know, shake their hand and, and talk to them, whatever, before it, they come downstairs, anything like that. Right. So I recently, I keep saying Kevin Max because I just interviewed him two days ago. So I go upstairs and I know he's, he's about to get here. My wife drives a white SUV. Kevin Max pulls up in a white SUV. I think it's my wife. So I start waving to her and acting kind of silly hey i'm about to start like kind of giving like i don't know it's hard to explain give goofiness yeah and then as it's getting closer i'm like that's not my wife that's <laughs> kevin from bc talk and then i kind of slowly put my arm down i'm like hey what's up man what's up and he rolls the window halfway down not even all the way down just halfway down and i was like dude i'm so sorry i, I thought you were my wife <laughs> what's uh, up man can we read you this i'm scott <laughs> so, you're like, yeah, hey I'm how's it cool. going now come down to my basement yeah yeah come down to my basement uh, <laughs> that's hilarious that's pretty funny we've never had anybody come live like the concept of that scares me to death like one time we oh, had a, yeah like one time we had a guest that was like how about i just drive up to you guys and i'm like uh i mean you know skype's a thing it's an app on your phone you know <laughs> like but dude listen you gotta like okay i would be freaked out too but you gotta put it in perspective like it is like it's almost like a party so if you know an artist is coming like if i was coming to my house at a certain time i'll have people come over crew setting up a couple hours before have a few drinks hang out and it's like a just a cool it's like you set the atmosphere up you know? right so it actually it feels really cool when they get here you know it's not you kind of kill the nerves by the time they get there i don't know that's that's what i experienced so far no that's cool i think it's just getting past the hump of like these are just people and i guess a lot yes. of the times it's easier for me when i'm talking to them on the phone or on skype 
to just like it's not like they're not real people but for some reason the the nervousness doesn't exist for me when it's done through a connection like this which is something people complain about a lot you know there people always say like oh people are losing their actual personal connections because we're doing everything digitally but uh Mm -hmm. in my case it actually staves off the nervousness quite a bit i mean we've talked to people like just talking to members of my favorite bands and stuff has been really uh like it's cool but it's like when i talk to them on skype i don't get that weird adrenaline rush like oh my god i can't believe that actually happened it's not until (laughs) it's not until like joe edits the episode and posts it that i'm like holy shit i just talked to you know scott from zeo or you know but and another thing that's weird is that um when i have guests that come on the show i i cannot like i have to zone out to take all that out because i can't think oh man brian welch from corn is coming over in five minutes because that'll psych me like i just can't think like that and it kind of i wish i could but kind of i just can't psych myself out like that so i almost had to ignore all that and then when they leave i can go oh man that really just happened but right it's this weird thing man so like before the interview i'm just like i can't build it up like that at all like i just got to not think about it at all (laughs) i don't know if that makes sense no it totally does I am going to steer things a little bit back on track here just because I don't sure, want to. Sure, I don't know how much time you have. I've got all night. Like I said, my wife. I got all night too. Yeah, my wife and kids are out of town. So, you know, I could just do whatever. But uh, anyway. Uh, That's sweet. What was, so, you know, you said you saw Bride whenever you were younger. Um, yes. What, your, your first live show, right? Yes, I saw them, um, I think, probably Kinetic Faith, Snakes in the Playground era around there. So was that were those the first Bride albums? Like, did you buy an album at the show or no? Um, my brother, um, my brother was big into like Christian, uh, like eighties and whatever was going on Christian wise. He he was big into Bride. Me and him would listen to all the old stuff. So, and then and then when around the time Connect Faith came out, he was old enough to drive. So that was like, I don't know if it was his first concerts, but it was. You know, around the same time he was able to drive us actually to a show. So I'd say that's probably 91, 92. Okay. Did you have any idea what you were in for? I, I did, man. And it's kind of weird because when we saw him live, I remember, if my memory is correct, I remember Dale would be like preaching like a lot. Like he would do a few songs and I just remember him like doing storytelling almost. And, and I've never really been to a concert like that since. I mean, maybe singer songwriter kind of style, but. I mean, they would put on a, these metal songs, these heavy songs, and then stop. And then I remember one time he was like, you can sit. I remember, I just remember everybody sitting for some reason. It was just weird. And then he would kind of preach and tell the story of something. And then they would start back up again. It was just, I've never experienced anything like it. I don't think ever since then. Yeah, I remember seeing a lot of stuff like that. Because I, I kind of came up on Christian hardcore and a little bit of the thrash metal and stuff. So I'm kind of used to that like with the preaching and stuff like it wasn't unusual for me until i actually started going to secular concerts and i was like oh shit they just play all their songs and then they they leave you know what i mean like uh but you know these christian bands from this era were very much like we're here basically for it to be a ministry not as much like it to be about the music sure like you're gonna still see some sweet solos and stuff it's funny because pod if you go back and listen pod's old live albums old stuff i'm trying to snuff the punk like air they preach too so you're right so that's kind of a common thing back then i guess 
Yeah, and I mean, and Dale was one of the, I don't want to say the worst, you know, but he was one <laughs> of the worst offenders as far as making that a cliche. Because I remember, like, with a bride concert, you, you would basically, you'd hear, like, maybe six songs, and then the rest of it would just be Dale preaching. And he would always do an mm-hmm. altar call at the end, you know, like, you know, if you were to die tonight, where yeah. would you spend eternity? You know, that, that sort of thing. And uh, I remember for a lot of people that actually being pretty off-putting and being a little bit like, dude, we just came here to rock out. Yeah, it, was, it, it, it seemed like back in the day they that the bride kind of had that scare tattoo tactic uh you know in songs like if you want to kind of get into it there's a couple of songs i I wrote a couple notes here uh about drinking and i'm like dude i think he was totally against drinking i mean like with whiskey seed and a song called under the influence right it's it's total buzzkill (laughs) yeah and what's their website what was their website for a year few years it was like bride bar or bride uh bride pub bride pub yeah yeah so clearly he changed his mind on a couple of things on that yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder where he's at with that now. I'm not sure. And it's interesting, too, to talk about the scare tactic of, like, the turn and burn kind of thing, considering uh-huh. the direction that he went, you know, later on in his career about, like, not really being so much about the hell stuff. And right. uh, But those early Bride albums are, you know, like, Show No Mercy was, uh, not to be confused with the popular Slayer album of the same name, totally different <laughs> lyrics on each of those. Um, but, uh... You know, on on Show No Mercy, he was very. Um, that was very turn and burn. It was, yeah, yeah. E- evil that men do. It's just like everything yeah. is just. Again, not to be confused with the Iron Maiden song of the same name. Uh, oh wow! And and also, um, like this, I think it's the second album, "Live to Die." I was going to bring this up. It's funny that you know the second song on there is called "Hell No, Hell No, We Won't Go." Yeah, and I think it's funny that that um, pattern with like Striper, like the hell with the devil, and these like little phrases like "Hell No, We Won't Go," the hell with the devil. It's just it's just funny, you know. <laughs> Bands don't do that obviously anymore. Well, I think it it was their way of being edgy at the time. Because I remember, I mean, I remember stuff like Striper, you know, it being very um, considered edgy whenever it was new. You know, now you look back on that stuff and you're like, this is cheesier than a cheese sandwich, you know? <laughs> but at the time, for a Christian band to freely use words like hell and damn, like they didn't say, you know, they'd say damn. They, they'd always use the words in their yes, proper but context, but always made sure that they were in there. Almost, I think, in a way to almost make other, make kids' parents uncomfortable, you know? And then they could make it a teaching lesson where they're like, well, no, it's actually about da 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 you know? Like, this is kind of an attention getter, I think. Yes, yeah. It's, it's crazy how much times have changed since then, you know? Yeah, especially with where stuff's at now. I mean, it's weird now. Like, now you hear Christian bands just say fuck and stuff. Like, you're like, wait, wait, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, like, like Bad Christian. Bad Christian has a has a podcast where they, it's a, I, I guess it's a Christian podcast, but, you know, they talk freely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, masturbation and drinking and, yeah. So, I, I got in my notes, um, one thing I want to point out is, Thunder in the City. Do you remember that song? Yeah, dude. They they were using the what do they call that? Like the talk box or something. So I got in my notes. I just I heard this today and I was like, the intro sounds just like another song. And you know what song? You have to look this up later. Thunder in the City by Bride is almost identical to Runaway by Bon Jovi. It starts off. It's almost like that same keyboard. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, I don't know if you know that song, Runaway. Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Bon Jovi Runaway, it's like identical. I'm like, huh. yep. It's like, uh, 
Yeah, like uh, what's uh, the singer of Crit, uh, Hatebreed? Uh, Jamie Josta. Jamie Josta says uh, they owe like uh, Brido's Bon Jovi a sandwich or something. <laughs> like, right. It's just that same intro. Anyway, I, I just noticed that today. Yeah, it's funny. I was listening to that song today whenever I was driving to a job. I installed garage doors for a living, and I was driving to a job in St. Louis, like deep in the heart of the city. So it was funny. I was driving on the highway as like the St. Louis skyline's coming up at me, and uh, it's thunder in the city. And I remember being, oh. <laughs> you know, like having a good time with that. And uh, so yeah. here's the waveform, Dan. Uh, he's right. <laughs> it's the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we play the music of the band we're talking about in the background while we're talking. Oh, sweet. I can't and hear it, but that's pretty awesome. Joe actually just pulled up the Bon Jovi song and the Bride song, and we're looking at the waveform, yep. uh, and it's the same. <laughs> like, almost identical. It's in a different key, but it's... It's the Clearly same. Clearly influenced. So, um, and that's the thing, too, that I, that I kind of wanted to get into also is do you think that Christian metal band during this time period did lack some originality? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look back when you when you went to go buy one of those albums, didn't they always say, like, hey, if you like uh, uh, if you like this band, you'll like this band. Um, right. I'm, try- yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of... Um, bands that oh if you like bride or if you like guns and roses you like bride i've seen stuff like yeah. that back in the day and it's it did it did seem a lot of copy now, i'm not saying bride copied guns and roses at all i'm just saying that i remember seeing bands and it, it that sounded like other bands i cannot think of any examples right now that we had you. like van halen and if you like van halen you'll like striper yeah stuff like that like yeah. and they were always really some of them were like way off you know um, they'd be like, you know, if you like corn, you'll like, uh, I don't know, what's oh, a good, yeah. if you like corn, you like POD, and it's like, well, it's not really the same thing, you know. Um, <laughs> Dan, do you like Slipknot? Uh, yeah. Well, you'll love this band, Demon Hunter. Right, yeah. So it's like, they, they would always have, like, people that didn't really know anything about the music make those lists. Baron Cross. Baron Cross. I'm sorry. So they, I remember seeing, like, if you like Iron Maiden, you will love Baron Cross. Like, yeah, I, I just... I, Sorry. No, you're right. I like I like Baron Cross, but like, are they Iron Maiden? Not really. Um, <laughs> right. Or I remember the big one. The big one for the longest time was uh, if you like Metallica, you'll love Deliverance. <laughs> and it's just like, and th- it's funny because like they're making these albums in the '90s. Like so, like they're making these charts in the '90s. So like, if your favorite album by Metallica is the Black Album. That doesn't sound anything like what Deliverance was doing, you know. Yeah, like who makes these rules? Like who makes these like, these judgments? Probably yeah. somebody that doesn't get paid very much and works at a church, you know. Yeah, it was funny. Is uh, I'll say this real quick. Uh, I interviewed Sonny from POD, and and he was talking about how when Limp Biscuit came out, they, they, somebody was saying, um, "Oh, they sound a lot like Limp Biscuit." referring to pod and he's like dude we came out in 92 <laughs> like right you know like you can't say we sound like one biscuit <laughs> yeah a little record called snuff the punk yeah yeah like yeah. <laughs> it's funny and like you know going back to bride you know i think i think that hurt bands like bride in the in the late 80s and early 90s because i think bride had some really cool stuff going on you know on uh on show no mercy because like they were um the guitar work on this rec- on that record is bar none fantastic. Like the solos and stuff yeah, are so Charlie, in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. Like it just it sweet. yeah, it's it's amazing. And like that that was the thing that I picked up the most going through their discography again was just that like 
man, those those first two records, uh, you know, Show No Mercy and uh, Live, to Die. Live to Die were just Live to Die is probably the most aggressive Bride record, like with yeah, all that with definitely. all that double bass and like the guitars were heavier. Like it it almost goes into thrash metal in places, which would have been like a huge step up as far as heaviness goes. And it just kind of blew wow, my mind, yeah. like I, like. Because I don't remember it like that. Like I remember, like, oh yeah, the old Bright albums. You know, I'll go ahead and suffer through these. And I actually enjoyed listening to them a lot more than I remembered liking them back in the day. What do you think of um, Silence Is Madness? You know, that's kind of uh, I think that was the third album, maybe. So Silence Is Madness was more in the vein, I think, of Show No Mercy. It was uh, a little bit like because it wasn't as aggressive. And I remember, I remember thinking that the first time I heard it. Now keep in mind, I heard all these records years after they'd come out, you know. But I remember I like to listen to them in order. Silence's Madness is definitely more like Show No Mercy in that it kind of focuses more on that classic '80s metal sound, and a lot of the a lot of the thrash that we had gotten on Live to Die it was essentially gone. Like they just weren't as pissed off, I guess, <laughs> whenever they wrote that record. Right. But I do think that it. It has a lot stronger songwriting than Show No Mercy. And I think overall, like, the song craft is a lot higher. Like, that, that's probably one of my favorite Bright albums. Me too. And, and if you um, if you notice, like, it seems like Silence is Madness is kind of, they start steering in that direction, you know, not as heavy. And, 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 and kind of going to the kinetic faith. And kind of, you can kind of see them evolve, you know. That, that, that's kind of how I feel like. Like how Metallica did, you know, each each record kind of evolved, and and in the songwriting, you know, it, it, that's just how I feel about that. I think um, Silence's Madness has some great stuff. I'm trying, I'm trying to look at it right now. Under the influence, you remember that song? Oh yeah. Steer to the left as I steer to the right. My brother would always steer the steering wheel during that part. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I really that. liked No More Nightmares. Um, like that song was killer. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. Um, Hot Down South was awesome. So Hot Down South, do you remember the? Um, doo, 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 doo. That, yeah, that yeah. was such an interesting <laughs> song. I, I'm not a singer, I thought like, oh, well, we were doing that just now, but yeah, that, that was a that was a cool song. Yeah, like this this record probably had the best songs, like the most memorable songs on it. You know, because the first two records are good metal records, but like they have like a cool solo here or a cool riff here. Um, I wasn't as big of a fan of Dale's vocals on the first two records. Um, not that they were bad. Like, they were definitely in the pocket for what they were, right? Like, they were, right. you know, he, he had an exceptional voice for metal at the time. Did you, um, when you were talking about the first two records, did you ever listen to, I think he was in, like, in The Matrix before Bride? Like, they later released those. It sounds real old school. Oh no, I haven't heard that. So they, he, it's on Bride Pub, I think. But they used to be in a, their band originally was called the Matrix. <laughs> so, Interesting. But it, it sounds old school like that, like you're saying. I'm trying to see if I have any of the albums. Oh yeah, I do. I do. The Matrix Years. That's what it's called. Yeah, I do not have that. I wonder if I can still download that from. Do you say they have it up on their website? Um, I bought it a long time ago on, I believe, Bride Pub. Okay, I'll have to check it out sometime. Yeah, it's called the Matrix Years. Huh. Anyway. Also, I, I want the, um, from from Silence is Madness. Do you remember the intro for Silence is Madness? It's uh, like that creepy. Fool me like, at the beginning talk. of Fool Me Once. Yeah. It, oh, that's where it is. Okay. 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 You're right. You're right. It had this, this guy talking to this crazy 
it's like death has no silence or like it's kind of talking at it. it just used to creep me out yeah this whole record's got like a Motley Crue feel. Yeah. Something like that. Could you imagine like someone big producing like Bob Rock or something? <laughs> you know, having that full, like, uh, what's that album? Dr. Feelgood? Like, if you had a Bob Rock in there for a Bride album, it'd be huge, man. <laughs> it'd definitely be a stadium blaster for sure. You yeah. know, and especially at this time. And it's it was interesting on Silence's Madness because I think it was the beginnings of bride's transition into being more of a hard rock band and not yes, going so yes. much towards the metal side of it and i think if you look at society at that time and that one came out in 1989 so it was still mostly like metal you know like 80s metal yeah but but like guns and roses that had already come out that time so you kind of had that kind of bluesier uh, not bluesier I'm, I'm trying to yeah like more hard rock style i, I that's what you're saying. Oh, there was definitely blues. I mean, the last song is called Rock Those Blues Away. You know, no, I'm just being a dick. Uh, but uh, no, like it, it definitely, yeah, had kind of almost like a, especially on their next album, uh, End of the Age. Like that one basically sounded a lot like, uh, like to me, it sounded like Aerosmith, you know? Yeah. Like it had that blues, hard rock sound. And at that time, like, you know, it wasn't cool after 1990 to be a, hair band essentially you know like it wasn't cool to have to sound like that to just have you know some bass riffs some pretty stock drums and then like you know some cool solos here and there like you have your shredder or whatever like that format was so done to death by that point yeah that you, if you, can any, see, you can see rat kind of going down like it's like red is not as popular as it was right it just it, doesn't do it yeah, I totally agree. But one of the biggest things that went down at that, you know, around that time, like 91, 92, was grunge. And that's that basically dominated dominated the music, popular music scene, at least. Um, I don't really know what to say about the Christian one because it seems like there was a lot of Christian thrash metal coming out. But, uh, you know, stuff like uh, stuff like Kinetic Faith and even Snakes was like, were like, you know, Basically, yeah, this is Bride. We're still relevant. We're still cool. We're playing hard rock. That was a huge breakthrough for them. Connect Faith came out in 91. So, yeah, that's, that was a huge album in 91. Did that break before Nirvana broke? I mean, you know, or was it the exact same time? Ooh, I don't know the answer to that. But anyway, when Connect Faith came out, I just remember that being relevant, like, or I thought it was in, in my world. I, th I thought this is an awesome album. It seems like Connect Faith would have been older, but. I just looked at the city. It's a 91. That's Kinetic crazy. Faith, I think. Yeah, man, we're talking like a month's difference, you know. If it wasn't at the same time, it was in the same year. So I know Nevermind came out in September, and I can only assume Kinetic Faith would have came out in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could get the exact month. I'll have to, I'll have to get back to you on that one, Scott. We'll no, that's cool, compare man. Oh. notes, because that's... Uh, that's a good question. And I mean, and I don't think that it sounds like Nirvana necessarily, but it has that 90s hard rock feel, you know, where this is this is where a lot of the bands went, you know. Uh, Metallica went hard rock, you know, uh, around this time. And it's funny listening to it in 2018 and then go back and say, well, no, this sounded really relevant. But then it was actually cool. <laughs> and to have a Christian rock band that was playing this style in the early 90s i think was really important for the for the genre to continue yeah and, and think about like skid row i mean they put out um oh, they put out a record around the time I, I can't think of the name of it right now but eddie trunk loves that album i can't think of the name of it and, and, and like bands like ugly kid joe you know so there was still kind of that rock 
that wasn't so grunge that was coming out around the same time. Well, people criticize the grunge bands for basically playing, you know, downbeat, you know, or, you know, more simplistic rock songs. Whereas bands, bands like Aerosmith and stuff, they were the band, you know, and even Bon Jovi, you know, they were playing a style where you could tell that they could really play versus a lot of these newer bands that, you know, they weren't playing complicated solos or, or, or playing anything really, really all that interesting musically. Um, but it was the simplicity that people liked out of it. They didn't like the perceived excess of like the eighties metal. And so you put all that together and you get a band like bride that puts out something like kinetic faith or snakes in the playground and you can tell, like, wow, these guys actually really know how to play, and their music isn't super simple. But I could see how old school metal fans could view it as they've somehow dubbed down their sound. No, that's a great point. Um, I could have them. Uh, I love Connect Faith, and I love Snakes and, and the Playground. And my question was for you, or for you guys, is that which one would you pick if you had to do Connect Faith or Snakes in the Playground as being your favorite? I don't know if you guys love those two albums I, I love those albums so today i was like if i had to pick between connect faith and snakes because those are such solid records for me which one would i pick so would, which one would you pick if you had to pick between the two just curious between the two i'll take snakes in the playground i like the title and it's got a little bit of that motley crew i was talking about earlier it's dirty hard rock from the early 90s guns and roses was doing it it was a sound that people liked but was in the background for a few years because of grunge. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it, the songs are just, it's probably one of my favorite records by them too, man. But Connect Faith is, I mean, if you if you listen to, if you go and just listen to them back, Connect Faith and Snakes, it just seems like one album to me. I mean, they're, they're really good songs on both albums, but yeah, Snakes is definitely a classic though. I, I'm undecided. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go I'm with Snakes as well because... Uh... It was one of the first Bright albums that I'd ever heard, so there's a certain nostalgia that I associate with it. And I thought this record was really cool because I think it actually was a little bit, because this is still kind of a new sound for them uh, on Kinetic Faith. And I think that that was a little bit rough in places, not like bad, but just just a little rough. Like they're, they're kind of still easing into it. But Snakes on a Playground was like a perfection of that sound for them. You know, everything was kind of in the pocket. Like, they, they did the same thing they did on Kinetic Faith, but better, in my opinion. I think, and what's weird is, like, after Snakes, you know, they had Scarecrow Messiah. And my brother likes that album. He doesn't love it. I love Scarecrow Messiah. Like, that album. And I feel like that's the last, for me, that was the last Bride album that I loved. And then from there, then on, it was kind of hit or miss for me, to be honest with you. But Scarecrow Messiah that just kind of holds a place with me because it's like, that's the last bright album that just was killer in my mind and i feel like it's totally underrated I do you guys like scarecrow messiah to be honest with you and like i know it totally goes against what you were gonna say or what you said uh, <laughs> i thought sure. that that record was like if snakes in the playground wasn't interesting <laughs> that's a, the songs just like they just hit me in the face and then roll down my face like they don't stick with me at all so you gotta go back like like songs off that album like beast and murder I mean, murder is just such a killer track on that man. So you no, know, it is a good I, song. I like you, I mean, it's, like I said, I I'm not listening to it thinking like, oh my god, this shit's terrible. Turn it off. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like that far with it. But you know, like I said, I love snakes in the playground. 
But how much pressure was it for? I wonder how. And I think Dale wrote a book online, and he didn't like he just wrote it online. You could read it on the website, and he was talking about. I don't want to get his words wrong, but he was talking about the pressure of snakes and, and then into Scarecrow Messiah. So that must have been serious pressure for the band. You know, it's like you're at your peak now. What you got next? You know. So I wonder if it had anything to do with it. Snakes was basically as close to a breakthrough success as they had. Yes, that's that's at their peak. I mean, that was. I mean, I hate to say it. That was that was their black album, kind of, in my opinion. Yeah, they could. You could hear. You could actually hear Bride songs on the radio during this time, like mainstream radio. Wow. Like that's, that's how big of a success it was for a Christian band that came in came out of the '80s. I can't think of anything anybody other than Striper that was, you know, getting that sort of like taken seriously uh, radio play. I think you're right because the only thing I ever heard was Striper. I don't remember hearing Tourniquet ever on the radio. Yeah, yeah, like it was definitely like. This was modern enough to go on your modern rock radio at the time. That was Guns N' Roses, and now Bride with their new record, Shotgun Wedding. Well, <laughs> that, that is insane, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just one of those, like, you know, situations where, yeah, of course there was a lot of pressure because, like, I don't think anybody starting that band thought at any point that, like, we're going to have radio play, we're going to be playing these sold-out shows. We're going to be playing with like you know secular bands and stuff like because the the christian metal scene was pretty tight-knit back then and everybody just kind of stuck together and i think with scarecrow messiah i think it was just they tried to do the same thing again but the songs just i just don't i don't personally feel like the songs were quite there and i i can understand that they probably threw out a whole bunch of really good ideas before they decided on an actual you know on a finalized track listing and uh, like I said, it's not a bad record. I don't hate it, but I definitely don't love it. It's not. It's not in my top ten or anything like that. Dude, you, you're talking just like my brother. The, my brother feels the exact <laughs> same way. It's funny. We we have this discussion all the time. I'm like, no, seriously, go back and listen to it. It will grow on you. So, but uh, you know what's funny is that um, after Scarecrow Messiah was um, the time where Dale kind of started. I remember. He, he started singing for Striper, and he did like a show or something. Was that after Scarecrow Messiah? Do you remember? I mean, it was, it was around '92. Well, Scarecrow Messiah was '94. Oh, so that was before then, right? Yeah, I guess it would have to have been sometime between Snakes and Scarecrow. Yes, because his book—he he wrote a book uh, online, and I read it, and it, it said that you know the '92 um, in LA when they had the riots. I think that was in '92. He said that. He was with Striper going over songs and stuff around the same time. So that's kind of interesting, right? So that's after Snakes in the Playground. I could have this totally wrong, but I'm just assuming after Snakes, he did a show with, with Striper. I guess so. He, that didn't work out. Then they did Scarecrow. Right. Yeah, they did Scarecrow. And then it gets a little weird with uh, there was an album. Um, Drop? Yeah, Drop was the next one. Yeah, that's not on Spotify either. It's so weird. Yeah, there's a lot of albums in Bride's discography that you can't just find. Like, we were complaining about that this week that, like, some of them we just couldn't find. Like, I ended up having to pull them up on YouTube. YouTube, Yeah, and listen to that. And uh, that's kind of, you kind of just have to sit there and listen to it all the way through. (laughs) You know, there's no, you can't (laughs) really. one video that's 54 minutes long. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got, like, the premium YouTube, so, like, I can at least. I can minimize YouTube on my phone and listen to it in my headphones. 
totally. That so that makes it a little bit easier. So talk about, you know, you, you said that Scarecrow Messiah was a, a kind of a B-sides of, in your opinion, I, I'm kind of guessing that what you said, B-sides of Snakes in the Playground. How'd you feel about Drop? Drop was weird. Drop was super weird. Yeah. I think they listened to people that were like, because at best, Scarecrow is as good as uh, Snakes in a Playground, although I don't think that's necessarily true. But it is very much in the same vein. And one thing that one thing that bands are terrified of doing is putting out the same album twice, unless you're Slayer, and then they, that's just what they do, you know. Or ACDC. ACDC <laughs> has been putting out the same record for 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it works for them. But you know, I think on Drop. I did. I feel like they just went straight forward, like alternative rock, which would have been like the smart thing to do in '95. Because at this point, you know, we've gone like I think grunge, grunge really got people interested in kind of the more uh, alternative rock scene. So like, there's a lot of really weird, like, kind of I don't want to say down tune. That's not really the right word. Um, the guitars sound very like bluesy. Groove metal was a thing. Pantera was a thing. It wasn't groove metal. People though. were tuning down to sound more 90s. It wasn't like that, though. Like, it wasn't like a Pantera or anything like that. They definitely didn't return to that metal sound. They really just went further into, I don't want to say mainstream rock, but it definitely, it is a far cry from being a metal record. And I would still maybe throw the hard rock label on it. But it is very different. It's a much more experimental than anything they'd done before. So let me ask you a question real fast. So you have, during that era, you have bands like Metallica doing Load and Reload. You have Megadeth doing, uh, what did they do, Risk? Uh. It's like, and, and then you have Bride doing Drop. It's like all these bands are just kind of throwing out whatever's going to stick. And it seems like Metallica, it's stuck, right? But load and reload yeah it stuck a little more than it did for everybody else because yeah exactly so why didn't it, it so so it didn't work for megadeth and obviously bride it did it work i don't think it worked you know i don't know no it, uh, it's it's not my favorite by a long shot by them oh yeah and i would say the difference between the two or the three however you want to look at it metallica for their ups and downs are actually some of the best songwriters in modern music popular music and heavy music they kind of made it work right so they use songwriters then right is that what you're saying no i'm saying they are oh they are okay yeah they've always contributed riffs and then the end of the day it's james and lars putting the songs together that's what they mainly have done through their career and we've got all these defining metal songs load and reload revisionist history I think it was behind the music on VH1 where they said this was the first time we let everybody just kind of hang out and play together. But then you go back and you watch the studio videos and you realize that's not really the case. A lot of that was Bob Rock, but they were still controlling the songs. They were still arranging. They were still putting a lot of thought into it. So what I'm trying to say is they did something different and they kind of made it work. That shows how good they are. Everybody else did something different, and it didn't work. There's a reason why Megadeth went back to making thrash metal. Exactly. And let the country Anthrax music the thing go. Anthrax. <laughs> Anthrax did something kind of, got, got kind of weird, didn't they? Yeah. Euthanasia and all that. Yeah, it was definitely a weird time. I almost wonder, too, like, did all these bands have each other on, like, group text or something? Like, 
the, you know, like everybody was like, we're gonna go for, a, we're gonna go for a hard rock sound, or a uh, more blues alternative sound. That's funny you said that um, because I heard some interview that Lars Ulrich told Dave Mustaine, "You should name the album Risk," or, or not. Maybe you should. He's kind of coaching Dave about doing a different album. I, I, I've heard that in some interviews. That's kind of fun. that just reminded me when you said that. Like they're kind of coaching each other, you know. Yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, obviously, I don't think Bride's talking to Metallica, but like, it's definitely one of those. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of those weird things that everybody's decided to collectively go in the same direction at the same time, and sometimes that happens organically. And I think this—that's really just the case. But I think really what it was is Metallica put out Load, and everybody's like, "Holy shit! How do we jump on that?" You know? Um, yeah. You know how how did they do it again? How are they still doing it? You know? And it's called having really good singles in Bob Rock produced records is how you do that uh, um but yeah drop i mean it, drop is largely drivel for me um i'm trying to find something <laughs> nice to say about it but like yeah. if i want to listen to like because i listen to hard rock and metal for the aggression of it and there just is none here you know there, there's no yeah. hard jagged edge to it whatsoever you know like if you're if your album live to die from 1988 is heavier sonically than your 1995 record like that's kind of like embarrassing I, a little bit, you know, uh, for a band that has a legacy like that, because you got to think of what this does to the live show because, you know, they're, you know, they're playing the old favorites and then they start playing the new stuff. And people are like, well, what's this shit? You, you know, why, yeah. why would I want to hear that? Oh, never mind. He's preaching again. You know, like, and you got to figure, yeah, exactly. And you got to figure like, who are they working with at the time? Like who's investing in them? You know, they're not, I mean, what kind of studio they're recording? What kind of push do they have? You know, how are they selling themselves? at that time you know they don't have that engine like uh metallica the bob rock they they kind of i don't know i'm just uh, it's just different i'm trying to see who, who uh produced them at the time yeah i can't tell i don't want to say anything notable anybody notable and i think i think that's the problem is you have to look at reality and in 1995 bride is still a christian rock band which is still something that people aren't going to take that seriously you know, and even even the Christian metal scene had evolved quite a bit. Like in 1995, you know, Christian metal was out and Christian punk was in. You know, um, totally. And totally. Christian and alternative style, music. Like super, I was saying about say super tones and all all the, the yeah the punk was just right on the, the verge of at that time. Yeah, it was it was just starting. There were Christian punk bands and hardcore bands and stuff. And then, so you have to wonder, like, who Bride's audience is now. There are guys that, you know, were into 80s metal and maybe even 90s hard rock. I mean, I think there's definitely a place for your kinetic faith and snakes in a playground sound because those records are for people that don't like grunge and they like the 80s bands, but it's not cool to like the 80s bands anymore. So I think records like that, you know, like I was saying, you know, had superior playing superior songwriting things like that that's something that the people that hate the new trends are going to jump onto. so whenever an album like drop comes out you start to ask yourself is bride just trying to appeal to whatever's popular now and this question is going to get the answer to this question is going to get a lot worse before it gets any better uh for the next several albums they basically so, yeah. are unrecognizable from all the way from drop until they get to this is it Okay, that's a. I'm glad you just said that. Um, uh, if you if listen, 
this is it. I gave up on them on on the Jesus experience when they had I am the worm running through the air. I'm like, that's not me. I, I'm next. Worms can't it. worms can't run, Dale. Um. <laughs> so, um, but, but this is it, though. I think his son played drums on it. Yeah. And, uh, I freaking love that album. This is it. I'm like, this is one of my favorite Bride albums. This is up there. I, I just, I love that record. Do you, do you guys listen to it? Well, yeah, like it's it? it's they're back to snakes. Is yes, basically what so, they did. It's, it's Snakes Part jammy. Two. I love it. It's very much like, hey guys, no, really, this is it. We're going back to what you like. You know, I'm sure there's some old school fans that are like, go back to Live Is to Die. You know, but <laughs> or Live Is to di- Live to Die. Sorry, go back to that. Right. But you know, I think their Snake sound was probably their most financially viable sound. So, so I don't want to skip ahead, but we forgot to talk about um, Bride Fistful of Bees. Did that come out before This Is It? Oh, I didn't forget to talk about oh, it. Oh, um. <laughs> that came out. <laughs> so Fistful of Bees, Rap Rock, what was that all about? I, I don't know. I don't know what I was hearing. I'm having a vision. It was 2001. That's all. <laughs> they should be on, listen, they should be on Roach Coach. With the new metal podcast, they should yeah. totally have five this full. They would never do that, but you know, I gave Lauren. Cool. I did give Lauren a whole bunch of Christian new metal CDs uh, while we That'd were there awesome. at the pod, but I did not throw in Fistful of Bees because I threw that record away. <laughs> it is actually one of the only albums that I ever ever purchased, and just felt like it had such little value to me that I didn't even take it somewhere and sell it. I threw it in the trash. It's <laughs> hard to believe that Live to Die. The same guy is in this full of It's <laughs> terrible. Like it's it's it is absolutely the kind of shit that makes people not take Christian music seriously. But listen, George Lynch from uh, Dawkins and all those he did he did a rap rock thing and he called it a it, I can't remember what he called it, but it was around the exact same time, man. And when's so the last time you listen to that album? Ne- yeah, never. Right. Barely. And it's just a sign of the times. Like when they, you talk about drop, when they had their kind of the grunge thing was happening, then they're they're moving in a direction. New metal's happening. They have fistful of. So Bride has consistently tried to change their sound to what's relevant. Have you noticed that? I mean, it just seems like whatever's relevant. And and everybody, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but you know when, like Striper went and did their last few albums have been amazing. And they they've kind of gone back to their old sound. Bride did the same thing, you know. They did Snake Eyes, so it's like they nostalgia hits. It's popular right now. Bands like Striper going back to their old sound. Bride's gonna go back to their old sound. I feel that way with Fistful of Bees. It's like new metal's big, so we're gonna do this, you know. But they didn't know, really my- though, did they? Like Fistful of Bees is is not a new metal album, but it's trying to be one, which makes yeah, it which makes a, it worse. Yeah. You know, like you could, yeah. like if it, if Fistful of Bees sounded like Limp Biscuit, or sounded like uh, Pod, or you know, or Lincoln Park, or whatever was popular then, I think that was a little before Lincoln Park. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it's trying to be something that it doesn't even know enough about the source material to know what it wants to be, because what yeah, Fistful of Bees has yeah. is it's basically like a shitty Bride album with shitty rapping on top of it and like the rapping is almost like the only new metal element of the entire thing so like you know kids that are into rap rock are not gonna like fistful of bees 
Like the only way you could the only way you could do it right is if you had an album that actually had like down tuned guitars, you know, no solos. But like they're still playing those like weird alternative bluesy riffs that they think people like. They don't like them. Uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't sound good. It has no punch. It has no relevancy. And good that's point. that's my yeah. issue with Fistful of Bees is that it's not even good at being a shitty album. If that makes sense, like <laughs> that should be the headline right there. It's a strong, it, it's it's a strong opinion, but it's one of those things where I've spent my entire life like telling people, dude, Christian metal is actually pretty cool. There's really cool bands in Christian metal, like like Striper and, and Tourniquet and Pod and you know, and then and Br- and then I'm like, oh, I don't really want to say Bride. It's stuff like this that makes me you know hesitate. Is there anybody out there that would ever be like, I love Bride? This full of bees. Ladies and gentlemen, That's Scott Boland. Nobody, nobody has ever said that. <laughs> That's Scott Boland. Well, I'm like, uh, buddy, you know, sent me a text earlier today. He's like, I just listened to full fistful of bees. I don't know what the fuck I just heard. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's my life. fair I'm, enough. I'm, yeah, I'm a music lover now. Best album ever, said no one yeah. ever. Goosebumps, said nobody ever. <laughs> but like, I think Bride realized it too, though, right? Because yeah, this, mean, is this is it drops two years right? later and they're like, okay, guys, we're going to cut the bullshit. This is it. This is a real bright album. Did anybody in the band say we should do another rap rock record? The Fistful of Beasts 2, you know? It's whatever guy is covered in bruises, you know, uh, in the next band photo, you know? It's the guy that they literally beat with sticks, yes. you know? Uh, <laughs> That's fine. Well, and there's so many different people that have been in Bright. I mean, I think Dale's like the only constant, really. Oh, Troy. Troy, Dale and Troy, right? Dale and Troy, Troy, yeah. I'm pretty sure, for a long time anyway. Their drummer back in Snakes and Kinetic and probably Scarecrow, man, he was awesome. He was he played live in Brazil. Like I got all the videos, and I I can't think of his name right now, but I wonder what he's doing now. But I just always remember seeing their drummer back in the day. He was really good. Well, it's weird too because the drums on Live to Die are the best Bride drums. Because it's all double bass. It's not all double bass, but like, it's a huge step up from Show No Mercy. And then even Silence is Madness. It's not really present as much. Like that was just one aggressive Bride record, and uh, and they never returned to that sound. I think they maybe they just didn't like it. It left a bad taste in their mouth or something. I'm not sure. And I think that's a good example, like, of how Bride has always kind of just followed the times. I mean, you know, in 1980, I guess it was 1988. I guess that they put out uh, Show No Mercy sometime around there and yeah. then this is it comes out you know also in the 80s so like it's it's cool to do 80s metal and then i think they got heavier on this is it because thrash metal was starting to become a thing or not not this is it i'm sorry uh <laughs> on live to die thrash metal is becoming a thing you know and yeah. then you know suddenly silence is madness is kind of still in the same style of those records and then they then alternative rock becomes popular they kind of go more alternative rock it, it, it's a sign. Of, it's like Kiss doing when, when they say they, they did disco. I mean, it's just a sign of the times, right? Right. They've been consistently like that. The only damage that it does, and I promise I didn't bring you on here just to talk shit on Bride, but like I didn't. I, no, no, I understand. You know, I think it's just one of those things. I've spent my life, you know, like I said, telling people oh, Christian music's actually pretty cool. I've listened to it, you know, my whole life, and you know, I, there's a lot of bands that have a lot of real value. But one of the biggest criticisms is that they always say. Christian bands are always trying to sound like secular bands. And the sad yeah, thing about Bride is that's kind of true. Until like their most recent like what three albums 
where you can you can take their their latest three releases and say this is bride this is the bride sound because the snakes on a playground in the playground sound was original to that band and their new material reflects that okay so like if you if you look at and, and i'm I'll, I'll quit talking about striper but if you look at striper striper was weird in the 90s too i wasn't a fan of striper in the night against the law was good but Striper in the 90s had their issues too. It was weird. I didn't know any of the Striper albums in the 90s. But then they came back and did like their old school sound, and it's awesome, you know? I feel like Bride is kind of right there too, you know? It's like they kind of go back when they do their older style, it gets popular. Like, This Is It was great, you know? Snake Eyes kind of gone back to their style. I, I don't know. I, I, I constantly compare the two. Yeah, it's it's just a return to their most original sound and probably their most financially viable sound, which is what you have to focus on sometimes more than trends. I think it's easy to look at a trend and say, we got to get in on that because that's going to be the most financially viable. And that's that type of thinking is how you end up with a record like Fistful of Bees. You know, yes, like that's yes, how you that's how you get there. And yeah, yeah, the passions there. It's like, was the passion still there, or is it just we got a we got kids now, we have a family, we need to keep this thing going, and, and you know what I mean? It's it's different when you're younger. It's just I don't know. I, I think it's different the older you get. Well, and I think it's uh, also the you know the music was always a ministry, so I think there was the a focus on we want to bring Jesus to the kids. How do we do that? Well, we got to play the kind of music that the kids like. So in the '80s, it's metal. You know, in the '90s, it's it's hard rock and grunge. You know, in the in the late two thousand or in the early two thousands, it's it's rap rock or new metal. You know, and so I think I think their copycatting of certain styles came from a very sincere place in their minds. But I think looking at it collectively as a whole, I mean, I love bands that have very diverse discographies. I'm not as big of a fan whenever it's obvious that they're just doing what was popular at the time. Blatantly obvious. Hey, Dan, can you pass me that skillet? No, don't talk to me about skillet. (laughs) Oh, skillet, dude. Yeah, I I saw skillet back when they first started, man. Dude, I remember when they were like a techno band. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't remember that far back. (laughs) No, no, they they were later on. So their first record was a preview of the skillet episode. The, so the first album had a big skillet on the cover. Right? Yeah, I've got that one. That and that one was like straight grunge. Like it sounded like Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. They played it. They played it in my hometown, like a little place, right, five minutes from my house. There, nobody back then. Yeah. Now they're one of the anyway. biggest bands in the world. Who'd have thought? So, what do you think <laughs> about Bride uh, after uh, Fistful or after this? Is Us, they they did the Skin for Skin. And that was like a heavy, like kind of dark. I remember the drums had a lot of pretty heavy drums, and yeah, they what, sold it. it they this? they sold it like it was going to be returned to the old bride sound, like the really old. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, but it wasn't really that. It definitely was more modern heavy, which is good, right? You can't go back to the '80s metal thin, thin guitar sound, you know. Um, so I think they did a really good update, you know, on their more metal side. I, mean, I thought that was a great record. Um, I found that one really enjoyable being so late in their catalog. And I mean, I thought This Is It was great, too. But, like, this was a little bit more my style, you know? Yeah, I, I liked it, too. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, after that, they, is it, that was, after that, they did the new album, right? Snake Eyes? Is that right? Or did they, did they do anything between? I think they did. 
skin for skin than Snake Eyes, if I'm, if I'm right. But Snake Eyes was, uh, what do you think about Snake Eyes? With It sounded just like um, throwback to Snakes in the Playground. Yeah, it sounded very similar to that, but it was, like you the said, it was a lot darker. Was crazy. Yeah. Overall, it was much more, um, it was much more, like, dark, just darker, which was very different for Bride, you know? Are you talking about Snake Eyes being darker? Yes. Snake Eyes, Incorruptible came out right before that. Well, and I was thinking Skin for Whoa. Skin, too, yeah. There's Zahar Bamba in there, but I couldn't find that for the life of me. <laughs> yeah, that one I did not I did not hear, which I, you know, kind of regret, but I just couldn't find it. If I can't find it, I'm kind of, like, between a rock and a hard place, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was glad for Skin for Skin when it came out, because I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. You know, it kind of... It got me back into. Li- I remember when the album came out, I started listening to Old Bride again, and it was like, oh yeah, Bride was actually kind of cool back in the day. So that's what Skin for Skin did to me. Yeah, it did. It, like it actually kind of revitalized the band for me a little bit because I was like, oh, okay, Bride's around, they're still cool. And then I listened to you know all their stuff again, and I was like, okay, well, some of it's cool, <laughs> um, you know. But I mean, you could say that about any band. But uh, to answer your question, we had uh, Czar, Bomba, and Incorruptible between skin for skin and snake eyes uh yeah you see i don't even know anything about it. i don't even have the, the albums so, yeah. they were independently it's released and here's the here's the weird turn because a lot of people that were bride fans back in the day don't even know that bride's still a band and i think part of that is because they've kind of had their like the christian music scene has kind of more or less turned their back on them um, because Dale has some controversial beliefs on a few on a few topics, which I won't get into too strong too strongly. Yeah. But uh, basically, he has a fundamental difference in belief about like the existence of hell. And um, I'm heavily paraphrasing all of this. And if Dale's listening, he dude, reach out. We'll talk. We're um, down to do the interview. We're down to do the interview. So. You know, you can you Dude, can he can um, come on here and just tell us all the stuff we got wrong tonight. You know, if he's on your inner, if he's on your show, can you just like please let me be on there? I'll, I won't even talk. I'll just, just hang out, just listen. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. You scratch our yes. back, we scratch yours, yeah, yeah. Scott. Yeah, I we'll will. make it happen. If you have him on your show, then we come down to Atlanta and sit in the back and just drink beer. <laughs> I've, I, it's true. I've asked him to be on the show several. I've actually stalked him a little bit. Like, so you say there's a chance? <laughs> it's like. There's a very, very small (laughs) chance that I would ever do your show. So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, But yeah, the the so you were telling me that you uh, that you have kind of an interesting history with Dale. Is there anything uh, before we get into that? I I do. Well, we can get into that now. But I do want to talk about Snake Eyes before we end with anything. But uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about Dale first. I, so I kind of uh, social media stalk Dale, which I never do. I mean, I, I reach out to artists and say, hey, do you want to do an interview? And if I don't hear back, then well, I leave him alone or I go to managers or whatever. So um, a couple of late nights, I would reach out to Dale and I hear nothing a couple of times. And then finally, I, he, he replied. I don't know exactly what he said, but it was to the extent of, yeah, that would actually be cool. I think he thought my show was a podcast, and I had to explain to him it's not a podcast. You actually have to come to Georgia, and he said, "Oh, that that sounds good. I like that." And I don't know word for word what he said, but then he he followed it with, "But I uh, I live in New Zealand or something, <laughs> just somewhere far away," and then that kind of ended it. I was like, "Well, okay, it was a good talk, <laughs> you know, but you're not going to be on." 
Dale Thompson, good. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Dale Thompson. Yeah, thank you. You could do the TED but Talks maybe, thing where you just put him on a screen and you sit next to the screen and talk to it. Dude, I would do that. <laughs> seriously. It's just, it's something personal for me. I'm like, you're the first one I saw live. That was a rock band. Gonna have you on the show. Uh, but yeah, I would totally love to have him on the show. If, if he ever wants to do if he's ever listened to this, I, I would love to have Dale Thompson on the show. It'd be great. And on that note, Snake Eyes. So, what do you guys think about Snake Eyes? Where was this in 2001? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to say, I was about to say, it, it, like, it seems like, like you were saying, Daniel, about um, Scarecrow being the, kind of like a bad, I don't know how you said it, but something about um, Snakes in the Playground and, and Scarecrow being, Scarecrow being less a B-sides version of Scarecrow. I mean, of Snakes. Yeah, it was the same sound. It was in the same vein, but the songs weren't as good. Where am I? What I'm saying is Snake Eyes, I think, sounds like, oh, this is brutal. I like Snake Eyes, but I feel like it's Snakes in the Playground's better. <laughs> I just feel like it's maybe well, it's a cla- it's a classic album. I mean, you can't, you can't yeah. compare a new album to a classic album like that. Like really, and not be just dis- not come away disappointed, you know. Not from an enjoyability standpoint. But if you're talking yes. about like I like this sound and I want to hear this same sound but with new songs, I think you're fine uh, with something like Snake Eyes. With, with Snake Eyes, like, even the intro is like the exact same intro as uh, Snakes on Playground. They updated a little bit, but it's definitely a callback to Snakes on a playground in the playground. But like, I've never heard a band doing that before. I've never seen a band that. Says like like, Deftones is one of my favorite bands. White Pony was one of their biggest albums. I would never expect Deftones to say, "Hey, we're gonna make White Tiger or something." It sounds <laughs> just like White Pony. You know, it's like, I've never heard of a band doing that before. You know, have you? Is there any band that's said, "Hey, this is like Rust in Peace is our best album, so we're gonna do Rust in whatever." You know, it's that's that's strange to me. I've never heard of anything like that before. Well, depending on how you look at it. Mortification did that. Did they? I can't say it or yeah, Dan'll scribe punch me. of the Pentateuch <laughs> and Scrolls of the Megaloth. Except for the Scribe album sucks and the Scrolls album is awesome if you're into death metal. Um Yeah, I mean I, I've seen other bands do it, but not in such an obvious way. Oh, most obvious example ever. Meatloaf. Right. How many bad out of hells okay. are there, Meatloaf? No. Currently there's three. Good talking to you. That would be cooler if I did Snakes Out Playground 2. <laughs> that, that would have been cool. The snakes are back. All right. Well, I think it's a callback. I think other bands have done it. still here. I think other <laughs> bands have done it. Like uh, Tourniquet did it uh, for a while because another band that had kind of a weird 90s phase, you know? I mean, they were always in the 90s, but like they had like mid-90s, late 90s. They did some weird stuff. And, uh, you know, they came back and just started playing their old sound again. Now, it wasn't like we're trying to make a record that sounds just like our, or, you know, that are named after our old record, not a well, direct yeah, yeah. callback. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, like Striper did that, too. I mean, they they went back to their old sound. It's That's what people wanted. I get that. Um, you didn't see, like, I don't know. I mean, Striper did their own thing. I, yeah. I love Brights. I'm not going completely on the bus. I, I just... It, <laughs> I don't know what to say. No. I, I think Scott's okay with it, is what he's saying. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's fine <laughs> too, and I think for longtime fans, it's a cool hot thing. Right now, don't <laughs> stop drinking, and that's what happens when you drink too oh, much. Um, exactly. I think it's fine. 
I think it's a little ham-fisted to, to name it like Snake Eyes. Because you're basically saying, yeah, now we're looking back at snakes. You know, like that's essentially what Snake Eyes <laughs> means to what me. Would, what would kinetic faith be? It would be like kinetic kinetic religion or something. Right. I don't know. I wouldn't call anything kinetic religion. Um, but Kinetic you know, eyes. Kinetic eyes looking at snakes <laughs> that Look also that. show no mercy. <laughs> the scarecrow kinetic eyes. Well, uh, you know, physical uh, religion. You know, Hopes Fall actually, uh, <laughs> Hopes Fall on their new record has a song that they basically like say the track titles of like five or six Hopes Fall songs in the lyrics. So they're like, there are a lot of like cool throwback type things that bands are doing now. It seems like, especially it seems to be the case with like older bands that are coming back to their old sound or, you know, they're, they're basically just throwing a bone out to the fans. And I actually think it's pretty cool. But I do think that if you're going to do that, it's cool to have your callback, but you also want your new record to have its own identity, like from an artistic standpoint. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. You know, every album, every album that you make, that you set out to make, you want it to stand on its own as an album. Totally agree. And I think the only dangerous thing about callbacks is sometimes it takes away from that artistically. I'm not saying it did with Bride. But I am saying that it, you know, that it, it can affect that, if that makes sense. Well, look at, look at like, uh, I keep going back to Metallica, but look at Metallica, Hardwire, it, they, they went kind of heavy and they, they kind of, they kind of go back to their old sound. Their last couple albums kind of went back to old sound, but they had a spin to it. So it's, we're going back to our old sound. It's not going to be, you know, I don't know. It's not going to be St. Anger. It's going to be back to our old style, but we have good songs and, and it works, you know? They went back, basically back to the Black Album sound with a little bit of the thrash metal from before that thrown in there for good measure, you know? I think that worked. I think that worked really well, you know? But uh, with Bride, I think it's worked pretty well. Like, I got to give Bride credit. Pretty much everything from This Is It on has been pretty rock solid and focused oh, yeah, totally. and, and really focused on expanding that Snake's sound that they established they went through their weird experimental phase and they landed back on this sound that they were the most comfortable with and it's not trendy necessarily it's for bride fans exactly you're not going to reach 20 year olds with snake eyes right yeah it's it's so i yeah i totally get that but i mean they had some ups and some downs but something that we also say on this show a lot is that just because you don't like just because i don't like a fistful of bees doesn't invalidate you know live to die or silence is madness or kinetic faith or snakes in the playground you know those albums still exist and they're still great you you can't replace a great album with a shitty one and then hate the band i mean you can if you're an idiot yes but dude yeah. i totally agree with what you're saying yeah because it's like as a fan you you should like eddie trunk says this but you should be able to not like certain albums that your favorite band puts out you know that that, that's a normal thing you know you shouldn't be like i love this band so every album i'm gonna love because i love this band i think with bride it's very much the same thing and i think the the good for the most part outweighs the bad because i mean you've got let's see one two three four five you know six if you count scarecrow you know you've got six albums and then you had four you've got almost 10 albums of really good material and then you've only got like three or four that are kind of shitty I think as far as a lot of ba bands that have this many albums go, it's pretty good. Do you ever think they should do like a reunion show, like a, like Sharper did 
uh, the hell with the devil from start to finish. That would be cool if they did like snakes from start to finish or connect faith. That would be cool. I, the only thing I wonder is like who would show up at that concert. I kind of feel like Bride is kind of the band that's always kind of given the shaft as far as like what's been accepted with Christian music. I, I, I agree. But you know what? Um, uh, Prayer Chain is a band I love. My brother and I love 90s. Uh, they came around the same time around Pearl Jam. But what they did was they did a, a whole like Kickstarter thing saying, hey, we're going to play a show one show only kind of thing in Nashville. I think they played a couple of shows. But so all their fans just kind of made, they, they gave them plenty of notice. Hey, we're going to do this one show or these two shows. So be there if you can. And me and my brother and I went to Nashville and it was sold out, just packed full of fans. And the whole time I'm thinking, this would never happen if they just played a normal club. But everyone, it, everyone's here, you know, one spot. I wonder if Bride would do that, you know, and say, Bride would say, we're going to do five shows. We're going to do here, 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 you know? I think this is an era where that's going to occur. You've got enough people that are in their 40s, early 50s at the latest, and late 30s that were listening to these bands since they were kids. And the bands are still young enough that even if they're not playing together, you could pull that show together and at least pack the room. I'm thinking of Korn playing Follow the Leader in its entirety a few weeks ago, or a few days oh, ago, yeah. whenever that happened. I saw when they did the first album from the start to finish. It was amazing. And as a fan, that's awesome. It's fun to yes. go see that record that you never thought you'd get to see in its entirety. And they played a smaller show, too, when they did that, too, which was really cool. That's also a band that I never got to see. I never got to see Korn just play self-titled. I got to see them do Family Values, and they open with Freak on a Leash and followed that with Twist. Figure that out. The point is, (laughs) for a fan, that's the greatest thing you could possibly do. Hey, Zeo, play Liberate in its entirety. That was for Dan. They won't do it. So I think anybody could pull it off. The internet has kind of proven that. Yes, with with Pledge and Kickstarter. I I got a funny story about when you said um, uh, uh, the corn thing. What was it on Twist? Uh, I interviewed Brian and he said that he had a playlist of all like this a random playlist he was doing it was like all these Christian songs and he was really feeling it and then all of a sudden they had twist and he said it was just thrown into another Christian song and he's like oh feel the spirit yeah yeah <laughs> he, said he, he said he started laughing he's like wow that was random <laughs> you know the question that I would love to ask one of them is it true that you all have played Daddy live basically twice at this point? Because I know for a fact they played Daddy yeah. at that show. They did it, and then they stopped. They took it. When I saw them in Atlanta, they didn't play it, so they took it out. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great question. Because that was always the story. They played it once, and they never played it live again. I'm wondering, is that really true? I should have asked Brian. I, I can I can ask him. I'll send him an email. That, that would just be Daddy? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> How many Tell times? me about Daddy. How many times? <laughs> don't give any more. Don't give any more information than that. Just, just, no just more, that no right less. there. Yeah. I gotta know. Your best friend, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. But uh, you know, to wrap this bride conversation up, and we don't have to stop talking, sure. but uh, the uh, as far as uh, bride goes, we always like to. F- get people's final thoughts on the band you know whatever you can sum up how you feel about bride in a whole if you can keep it under two hours or less 
I can probably keep it under 10 seconds or less. Perfect. <laughs> My feelings about Bride is total. I think about, um, I think about my first time going to a concert. It's like, I think about my brother taking me young. I always think of Connect Faith, Snakes in the Playground, Scarecrow Messiah, and just that that time in life where I didn't work, I didn't do anything. I'm just a a kid and and going to these rock shows that meant so much to me. And Bride kind of shaped, you know, I have my own show, Good Company, where I interview artists and I love music. Bride was that band that I want to say kind of started all that, you know, I didn't have a passion for baseball. I didn't have a passion for sports, but for my older brother taking me to these kind of cool shows, it's like, I was like a little kid going, wow, that's cool. I want to play music. And I did, I I, I bought the drums and my parents got me a drum set and music. But Bride was that band that kind of sparked that interest in, in and, and I have two kids, so I'm kind of like, you know, a couple of years, you guys are going to start going to concerts with me because I want them to experience that, you know, just so Bride was that, that is a huge compliment to Bride. So if Dale hates me for everything I said, I hope he hears that he was the reason why I have good company, basically, because he was before I could get into Guns N' Roses, Metallica and all those bands, I was going to these Bride shows. And so Bride did that for me. So. That's what I'd say. So I think for Bride, for me, they're a band that has always been interesting to me because of they were kind of a case study in Christian rock, like how how it could go. There were when I was younger, there was kind of this idea that Christian rock basically didn't exist before POD, you know, and uh, because yeah. that was they they kind of ushered in the more modern era of Christian rock music, but with Bride. You know, for those of us that actually went back, you know, because I started with stuff like POD and ended up going back and checking out all the old stuff. And um, and Bride was one of the first bands I heard. And uh, I still actually have, still have a cassette version of uh, Show No Mercy. And uh, it's almost all completely worn out now. I listened to it so many times as a kid. They were always interesting to me because of all the twists and turns. They really are a, a good measuring stick of all the different trends in music that have basically taken place since 1988 all the way through 2018 you know um there's a almost a bride album to represent every shift in hard rock music during that era and i think for that that that's very important but i am really glad to see that they stuck with their sound which was their snakes in the playground sound and that is now what they are focusing on and expanding on that sound instead of just doing like a, a, a 180 and going in a totally different direction bride has never been my cup of tea when they're good they're good when they're not i don't want to hear it what's your favorite bite album just under me cut you off off the top let me just pick one and say and I'm not even being funny. I'm going to say Snakes in the Playground. I was going to say, come on, it's Snakes. Everybody's favorite <laughs> album is Snakes. Come on. I think if you want to listen to Bride, listen to the good ones. And if you're a big fan after that, listen to the not good ones. You might find some stuff that you like. Just don't listen to Fistful of Bees. Unless you're Roach Coach, in which case, listen, listen to, to Fistful that. of Bees. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Hey, you know what's funny is that, like, if so I posted that, hey, I'm going to talk about Bride, but... So what if the person says, who's Bride, which is a lot of people, 
they they type up bride and this full of bees is the first thing they see and they click on it you know what i mean so it's like <laughs> you have to be very like listen to bride but if you're gonna listen to them listen to this you know gonna have to encourage them to which album to listen to well and that's pretty much the whole point of this podcast you know we really try to be almost as historical as we can which is why we go through the albums kind of in order you know because it's kind of a good primer and granted if you think that my opinion sucks you're probably right but um (laughs) It is just our opinions, but at the end of the day, I think we try to just describe, you know, to the best we can, honestly, about which albums are good, which albums are bad, which albums are the ones you should check out, which is the best, which is the worst, you know, and uh, and I think that kind of thing is really important. Um, when we actually had, uh, whenever we actually had Roach Coach on our podcast, we had uh, all three of them on. Uh, our topic cool. of conversation was not a band. It was actually about music criticism and journalism. And one of the things that one of the conclusions that we all collectively came to is that music journalism, music criticism is important because it provides context. And I think in the I think in the modern era with, you know, your Spotify and Apple Music and stuff, a lot of people just listen to an album and they feel a certain way about it. But the way you feel about something when you hear it is based hundred percent on your own experience hearing that sound and sometimes you know you'll hear something and be like oh this is terrible and then you come back a few years later once you have a little bit more musical experience and you're like oh actually this was really good well it, it, i agree with that but but lyrics have a lot to do with that too it's like where you're at with your age you know like lincoln park for example when they back when i was in my 20s listening to their lyrics it was very like I wouldn't talk relationship wise. I was like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, I don't need you anymore. Like, they have all these like, lyrics that, that, <laughs> yeah. that kind of, you, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I feel like when you get older, it's like the, the lyrics mean something different. You kind of want somebody you can relate to more, you know? Yeah, I definitely feel that, especially in a lot of bands I've been listening to for years, you know? It's weird hearing it because, like, even Linkin Park got more. Um, complex and a little bit more mature lyrically, you know, on yeah, their later exactly. material. And their later material wasn't the angry new metal of the older stuff, you know. Like, I'm older too, and I'm just not as angry as I used to be, <laughs> you know. So why would we expect our favorite bands to be the same? Exactly. Deftones have the exact same way, because I've heard Chino talk about Adrenaline being like, oh, I was this angry kind of teenager guy writing these lyrics, you know, and and now that he's older than me, you know, his lyrics going to change and music's going to change. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Dan, what's your album of the week? Oh, uh, my album of the week is Head Cage by Pig Destroyer. Just came out this week. Scott, what about you? Okay, my album of the week is this still random. It is not new at all. But cool. my album of the week is BC Boys Paul's Boutique. Oh, uh, nice. Every interview I do. Paul's Boutique is like my go-to, like, Paul's Boutique, play it. And it's just, I, I love that album, Start and Finish. That is a great album. It's kind of like your your pre-interview, get pumped up. Exactly. I don't, it's like a routine I have. I'm like, if I don't play this album, it's going to be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to suck now. <laughs> <laughs> my, mine is uh, Fistful of Bees. That's my go-to pre. <laughs> right. Just nice. Jeez, that's going to be rough. So you did one good you did one good rap album and one bad one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. 
Well, I'm not allowed to say the Flash Gordon film soundtrack by Queen, even though I've been spinning that That daily. can totally be your album of the week, dude. <laughs> There's no shame. I thought we weren't doing That's soundtracks awesome. on here. I told you Return of the Mac. You told me Return of the Mac was okay. I'm, like, obsessed with that song. Have you ever heard that song, Scott? I love that song. Actually, I, I have Sirius XM uh, 90s. It's like, and they play that song all the time on there. That's it, a great song. Fuck it. Flash Gordon. <laughs> Flash Gordon, man. It's a great album from start to finish. There's no shame in that. Oh, well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> idea for a mashup, dude. We need to do Dive by Nirvana mashed up with Flash Gordon. Oh, great song. That'd be cool. Fuck yeah. Scott, where can people yes, find Good Company? So I have a website, scottgoodcompany.com. And also you can find me on Facebook with... Um, Good company with bowling, and you can buy me on Instagram also, and Twitter too. Everybody's on Twitter. That's what they want us to believe, right? Right, but I never go on Twitter though, so it's yeah. Everybody's <laughs> on Twitter, but I don't post much on Twitter. How about you guys? Do you guys do Twitter? Uh, we do Twitter, Facebook. I think the one thing we don't do right now is Instagram. But you know, does everybody need an Instagram picture of two fat guys sitting in chairs getting ready to record a podcast? I'll like it if you do it. Just for you, Scott. Thank you. And on that note, this has been episode 82 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money! Soon to come, Scott Bowling ASMR, eating a sandwich. Thank you. Yeah, you can we charge five bucks for that? Is that cool? No. (laughs) Sure, we're doing it. That's been the hard thing for us. (laughs) Like, we're so weird about putting guest content. Like, I know we're just joking about the sandwich thing, but um, what makes you think I'm joking at this point? Okay, well, dude, you have a great voice, man. Like, hey guys, I need to do that when I intro bands. Hey guys, you are watching Good Company. Like, I need, I need to get that uh, vibe from. Uh, Dude, awesome. if you give me the copy, I'll record the voiceover for you all day long. I got Rich Ward to do it. If you watch my episode, oh yeah, yeah. Good company. Hey, well, he's way better than me. <laughs> yeah, you're good on that man. front. You're pretty. Uh, you got that loud voice, dude. dude. I'm that guy that listened to radio guys for years. Like, I love talk radio. My biggest podcast influence is Leo Laporte because he was the guy that said podcasting is cool, but this could be radio. And now everybody that's doing it well is basically doing talk radio. Dude, you know my favorite is when I was growing up as a kid was Casey Kasem. Do you remember him? I've heard Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he, he knew everything about your favorite artist. Like, this is Casey Kasem. And whatever artist you, you, you like, I love Bright. This is Casey Kasem. Right. Just release, live to die. And he would talk. I mean, I, I love that dude. <laughs> he, it's he time for away. a long distance dedication. Dear Casey. Yeah, Casey Casey. Yeah. My wife died last year. And she loved this song. Can you play this song? Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Just for you, I'm going to play that song. <laughs> oh, for man. You.